One Percenters, welcome back to another episode of the One Percent Podcast. I hope you guys are all having an amazing week. Remember, it's what you make of each and every day. You wake up with the decision to vote for yourself of who you want to be that day and who you want to become and how you're going to take those steps to get there. And that 1% pouring into yourself, 1% daily, so you can pour into others. That is the mantra that we live by. And that's the type of people that we bring on this podcast. And this week, we have a super treat for you. A good friend of mine, his name is Antonio Neves, leadership keynote speaker, author, award-winning journalist. I mean, this guy has literally done it all. He has worked at Nickelodeon with the top stars in New York City, worked on NBC, PBS, BET, been been featured on entrepreneur.com, CNBC, the Huffington Post, literally everywhere, spoken to the biggest of big, big companies. And he has an amazing podcast himself, The Best Thing, where he brings on top performers to talk about the best thing they've ever happened in their life. And me and Antonio just go back and forth and go really in depth on what it takes to live the life you want to live. We all have the gift inside of us, but do we all, do we hold ourselves back or do we fully go after it? And Antonio did just that. He pivoted his life in so many situations, but followed his dreams and made them happen. And he'll show you that if he can do it, and you guys know if, if I can do it, all of you can too. Very inspirational, motivational, one of the best the best people there, there are in general, Antonio Neves. So one percenters, buckle up, because here we go. And here it is, Chili Pad, ChiliTechnology.com. These guys are my favorite, not just because their product is amazing, and ChiliPad actively manages the body's temperature to deliver a magical, deep sleep, great REM, makes you feeling like you've woken up just fully rested and recovered to attack the day. But the people they are, I know them well, and they are some of the best people that will care for you, make sure that you are absolutely getting the most out of every night's sleep. And think about it too. You're going to save a ton of money just because you don't have to turn the air conditioner down to 60 degrees. This chili pad or the Uller, it's going to regulate your body's temperature to sleep in the cold. Cool sleep is magical sleep. And luckily for you, they're great friends of mine and they've given me a code to give you a super discount. DNBball25 at checkout gets you 25% off the chili pad. DNB Ball 10 gets you 10% off the Uller at checkout. Go to chilitechnology.com. All of this will be linked in the show notes and start sleeping like a baby today. Okay, got it. Start us off with a bang. Antonio Neves, welcome to the 1% podcast. Tell us something that nobody really knows about you. You can share your deepest, darkest secrets on this podcast with us. Okay, well, if we're getting the deepest, darkest secrets, something that not many people know about me is my first job out of college was selling cheese. David, for a, almost a year, I was a sales representative for Kraft Foods, and I sold cheese for a living. I was responsible for like over 20 Winn-Dixie grocery stores. Now, growing up in small-town Michigan, you know, I didn't have the biggest aspirations for myself. I didn't know what was out there, but if someone said... One day you're going to be selling cheese. I wouldn't have believed him and I would have been mad. But I'll tell you, 
there's something about those jobs that you don't necessarily love, but they teach you some really strong practical lessons. And that year in South Florida, selling cheese and developing relationships with grocery store managers and meat department managers and you name it, taught me so much about communication. It taught me so much about myself. Most importantly, it was one of those quote unquote good jobs that your parents want you to get after college. But you learn one of those powerful lessons that just because it's a good job doesn't mean that it's your job. And that made me make that pivot to really bet on myself. And after less than a year in that job, you know, moved to New York City with less than a thousand dollars in my bank account to pursue some dreams to work in the television industry. And everyone told me I was crazy, but every single day I worked that good job selling cheese. I felt this metaphorical tap on my shoulder, just basically saying, Hey man, this is a good job, but it's not your job. And I knew I had to make a decision to bet on me or not. And that really led to me leaving South Florida, moving to New York city and, you know, working in the television industry for over, uh, over 10 years. That's probably the most beautiful answer we've had on that. Like, your whole life started with cheese. Like that slice of Velveeta that you were cutting led to everything you were doing now. Talk about an unbelievable pivot. And you know what I love that you hit on right there? The enemy of great is not bad. The enemy of great is good. And a lot of people will settle for those things that are just good or what their parents say they should do. And that's, a, that's another point there too. Like we always think about, we ask our parents for advice on everything. Are they an expert in everything? No, they're an expert in wanting to keep us safe. And as you saw, the safe job selling cheese, which I'm sure you were a whiz, no pun intended, cheese whiz, <laughs> but <laughs> pretty good one right there, huh? <laughs> but no, you that you followed your passion. And let's 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 dive into that as you have had one of the most extensive, uh, very interesting backgrounds of what you jumped into. So you went out to New York City and went on Nickelodeon and I've been watching, I've been like, I told you, I've been watching these, you pick live slime TVs and this is big time stuff, man. You were on big time TV. How was, how was that transformation of going from Florida and selling cheese and then making that pivot of your goals and your dreams and, and being on TV? It was a journey. Uh, as you know, the overnight success can take a really, really long time. Yep. I moved to New York city I had less than $1,000 in my bank account. I knew just one person. I had never been to New York City before. Now, we got to give you some context. This is pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter, pre-LinkedIn, pre-TikTok, pre-all of that. When you were trying to get jobs, man, and you were, old, you were faxing in resumes, right? Yeah. You were um, up sending, them, sending them in via email. So when I got there, I, I was fortunate enough that a one, the one person that I knew gave me a floor to sleep on for a variety of months. And I took him up on that. And during that time, I just got to work. I knew I had to hustle. And one thing I'm not afraid of is hard work coming from a blue collar upbringing in Michigan. And I just worked jobs, man. Uh, I worked temp jobs, you know, filing paper and picking up phones. I would leave that nine to five temp job and then go work retail at H&M selling clothes from like 6 p.m. until 11 p.m. And then when I was lucky other evenings and weekends, I would do those catering jobs, selling, I mean, you know, serving people food. Now, all of this was happening with the mission of one day finding my way onto television. And of course, I was taking classes and acting classes and doing all these different things along the way and building relationships. Uh, but my break, if you will call it, wasn't actually getting on TV with Nickelodeon right away. 
it was actually getting a job with Nickelodeon. For almost two years, I worked at Nickelodeon as the assistant to one of the executive vice presidents of the network. And then when UPIC Live was coming about, I remember, you know, basically trying to force myself into the room to audition. And initially I was hired just to be a production assistant. I wasn't hired to be talent on the show. But over time, you know, I showed my value every single day on that show and slowly started to appear on camera. And before you know it, I was a full on, you know, talent on the show, full on talent contract, et cetera. But what was amazing about that position, even though I was on live TV every single day with big names, celebrities, Will Ferrell, Jack Black, Beyonce, Jennifer Garner, we can go on and on and on. A gift of that job that I didn't appreciate at the time, David, was that I also was behind the scenes on the show as a production assistant, then eventually becoming an associate producer and writer. So my head couldn't get too big being on camera because before the show, I was grinding. I was working. After the show, instead of going out to go party, no, I had work to do. I had rights and clearances forms to submit to the legal department. So that was an amazing gift getting uh, that job working in front of the camera and behind the camera. And it was an amazing journey, probably something that I, I would say for your first job in television, maybe it shouldn't be live TV every single day on a major network like Nickelodeon. <laughs> um, you want to get your feet wet, maybe something a little bit smaller, but it was an amazing journey that I just learned so much. That's a lot of gold right in there. And I want to unpack some of the things that you talked about for the audience here. And, and first starting off is, is you make things happen. Like you have a goal, you have a dream, and you make it happen. You're going to get your foot in the door, whether it's sleeping on that one person that you knew, knew floor and making relationships. A lot of people will just use different types of excuses like, oh, it's too hard to do, or I'll wait for when the phone is when the phone rings, then I'll do it. But no, you have to make that phone ring. And you absolutely did that. And then to the point where you weren't just right there, like your goal was to be on TV, but it was two years before you even got that opportunity. And the way that you showed up every single day with the relentless consistency of who you are, doing the best in the situation that you had is what led you to be able to flourish and do that. And a lot of people will just look at the results but not think about the journey and the, the time they have to put into the journey and in, in enjoying that journey. And one more point on that too, because you're just, I mean, you're just literally like just giving me gold over here, man, is, is how you said after work, you kept grinding. Like it's, it's a term that I call happy houring. Like most people after work will want to go to happy hour and just be with their friends and, and do that like, like most people do. But are you putting in the effort into your dream, into your mission? Is your happy houring doing the extra hours, the unseen hours? And, I mean, you absolutely did. And, and being with Nickelodeon, it continued to grow to other networks, big, large, major networks, PBS, BET, NBC, and becoming an ultimate storyteller. Are there, did you develop those, the habits, those mindset type habits to just go for everything throughout your process or were these habits that were already built into you from a young age just dive into how you build these type of relentless mindset habits that's, that's a really great question i think first and foremost uh you know i come from an upbringing where i was the first you know i was a first generation college student the first person in my family to go wow. earn a college degree and i was really awesome 
blessed to have that opportunity. And I just knew from a young age, I was raised in a small town in Michigan, a nice town, but I also knew, always knew somehow, man, there was something else out there for me to experience. Not that anything was wrong with my small town, but I always had this, this, you know, angst that I wanted to see what was out there. Like I knew I lived on a planet. I knew it was a big planet and I just wanted to explore. So something big that has been an asset of mine throughout my life. And I see with other folks that have been successful in their life is just a big sense of curiosity and a big sense of wonder. And based on the conversations we've have had, I know you have that as well. Yep. Second, I've always been goal focused and something that's amazing about most of the things that I've done in my life that I've checked off. I've always had those things written down on a piece of paper and it always blows my, blows my mind when I go back and look at those notebooks from the college years from the early 2000s in New York City and beyond that most of these things I wrote down. Now, they didn't show up perfectly, but I had to put that vision on paper. And I really believe putting things on paper sometimes, um, even more so than typing into a Google Doc, it's important to put it on paper. But to the point of your question, you know, one thing, growing up, I'm a blue blue collar guy. My dad's worked at factories his whole life. I mean, he gets his uh, get your hands dirty kind of guy. He's the guy that looked forward to getting overtime, didn't run away from the extra work because that meant extra money, you know, time and a half or double time. Like I come from a community where people hope there's overtime. And you know, there are a lot of people that don't want to put in that overtime. My mother's been, you know, worked uh, as a, as an administrative assistant for the same organization for over 30 years. And I saw how hard she worked. Um, but then even as an athlete, um, you know, at Western Michigan University, I was a walk-on on the track and field team. I eventually went on to earn a scholarship, but I was a walk-on. And as you know, when you're a walk-on, nothing's guaranteed. You're not on scholarship. At any moment, you can be cut from the team. And so you have to show up every single day. So I think something I've always had in my life is this blue-collar work ethic, but also a walk-on mentality. When I moved to New York City, David, I was nervous because I didn't go to a big-name institution. I went to Western Michigan University. Not a lot of people had heard of that school. They say, oh, you went to University of Michigan, Wolverines. I'm like, no, (laughs) Western Michigan University. So I had a bit of an insecurity, frankly. But what that insecurity did for me is cause me to work harder. I was a firm believer if I got in the room, you weren't going to outwork me. And then when I finally surrounded myself by these men and women that did go to these quote unquote brand name prestigious institutions, I didn't, I realized they didn't have anything on me. If anything, the thing they had on me, they expected to be in that room, whereas I hoped to be in that room. Now, when I say the word expected, now, of course, you know, there's an ugly type of expectancy and that's called entitlement. However, when you expect because you've done the work, because you've worked in those unseen hours, because you've had that walk on mentality, heck yeah, you can plan on and expect to be in that room. So for me, it's that walk on mentality that has always fueled me. I think uh, something else that's really important, and I think your vantage point on this will be pretty awesome to hear is the power of being consistent. You know, in society nowadays, we love to see that athlete that's, you know, scoring 35 points a game. You love to see that person who hits 49 home runs. You love to see those person with those big stats, they, but they have that one season then you may not hear from them again. One thing that's always frustrated me is how we, undervalue that man or woman who is consistent day in and day out, year in and year out. They are reliable. But somehow we undervalue those, excuse me, we undervalue those reliable men and women. And one thing I I think I am, and people I've worked with will tell you this, I'm reliable. 
doesn't mean I always hit the, the most home runs or score the most points in the game, but you can guarantee that I'm going to show up day in and day out. So I wish people really had a, a much more respect for, for consistency. I think that is the term that is the, the highest accolade that I can get from somebody to tell me that I am consistent, relentlessly consistent. And you are absolutely that. Through getting to know you, I've seen that in your positivity, your energy, your willingness to give and give. Like you were leaving me long, long voice messages, giving me advice. Like you were just consistently giving me advice, encouraging me on in this. And it's, it's that consistency built with the work ethic that, that drives success. That is the building block for success. And, and I really like the term walk-on mentality. I'm stealing that from you. That's, that's a thing of beauty. Because I'll tell you right now, if somebody is a walk-on and they earn a scholarship, I would hire them in a heartbeat. I don't care what for, because they have that type of consistent work ethic. And to your point on the power of, of writing things down, having that vision, like there's no way things are just going to happen. You have to see them happen before they actually do. And that's, it's been a big thing that I've done with my NBA players is before every game, I have them sit down and they watch the game happen in their mind before they go out there. So they go out there already having played that game. They're much more comfortable, confident out there than they would be if they're just going out there trying to swing for the fences. So beautiful points, man. This is so far, this is my favorite podcast of the day. And I love, I love that you have them visualize the game prior to it happening. And I love just the whole idea of having a plan. As you know, too many people, I think, in society wing it. And yes. I, it, it, I'm so afraid when someone says I'm going to wing it. And for me, you know, <laughs> winging it is easy when you're well prepared. When your player visualizes the game in advance, but things don't go as planned, because he or she planned in advance, they can adjust they can call that audible in real time. And it makes me think back to my, my TV days when I, when I transitioned to working in, in local news. We've all seen the local news when they say, hey, we're going to check in with Antonio at the courthouse. He's going to give us the latest update. And early on when I would do things live, I was really, really bad at it. And the reason why I was really, really bad at it is because I didn't have a plan. I would just start talking and I'm yeah. fortunate enough to have news directors and producers I worked with over the years that would say things like, Hey, do you know where you're going? Before <laughs> you start talking, do you know where you're going? Do you know where the exit ramp is? Because if you don't know where the exit ramp is, you could end up anywhere. And that just got me in thinking a lot about, you know, having a clear beginning, middle and end. If nothing else, at least know where you want to end, because if you know where you want to end, you will eventually get there. But most people don't know where they want to end, and they're just uh, they just start going. And yeah, if you just start going. You can end up anywhere. Wow. Yo, okay, I got, I got to point out something here before I want to get back into habits, like you were going into and talking about the habits and routines that you have. But it's funny that you say that the wing it because honestly, before I was going to give one of my biggest keynote talks, I I think I either read something that you wrote or watched a video and you were just talking about, or maybe, no, I think it was an Instagram post where you were talking about your first talk that you gave and you said it fell flat on your face. You got the standing ovation because they just did the standing ovation for, for everyone, but you said you absolutely bombed it and because you weren't prepared. And like, I knew I was going to prepare, but that drove me even more to just give my talk Many, many times before I got up there. So credit to you on that. Thank yeah, you. And on that note, I mean, yeah, that talk, my very first talk, 
was in front of 3000 people, my very first big talk. And wow. I, I just hadn't had the hours in, frankly, to do that talk. And I'm glad I did it, but it didn't go great. Uh, but now when you get the hours underneath your belt, you know, like there are times when I'm on a stage, sometimes it's, fr- it's in front of 300 people. Sometimes it can be in front of thousands. And sometimes, you know, maybe it's not, okay, this isn't my best game. This isn't my best talk ever. But you get to the point where you get the, um, the hours underneath your belt where you know that even not your best talk is still great. It's yeah. still good. Yep. Yes. So I, there are times I'm on stage and I'm like, okay, I may not be firing on all cylinders, but I know that even my 86 of cylinders to, or 86% is still going to deliver a great job for these folks, again, based on doing the work and the hours. And sometimes the audience doesn't even know you feel the way that you're feeling inside. Uh, it could be insecurities. It could be fatigue, different time zones. Um, but yeah, man, the hours and the hours are required. Spot on. And that's where you drive confidence from. You drive confidence from the work ethic and the hours that you put in those 10,000 hours times 10,000, even more. And people will think that you're born with confidence. You're not born with confidence. You develop confidence. It's a skill that you work on and you hit the nail on the head. And, and developing the confidence through the work ethic is also about having habits and routines in place to, to grow, to grow daily, to, to be the optimal version of yourself that you can be. So I'm curious for my own sake as well, and I'm sure the audience is, as you're a super high performer, one percenter like we have on these 1% podcasts, what are, what are some of your non-negotiables, things that you make sure you do every day? Let's go with three of them. Let's go with three, your big time tips that are habits or things that you think that give you that you're going to be the best Antonio? I think this is a great question because if we all evaluate and look at our lives, especially the days when things go good, you know, typically, let me rewind. Sometimes typically what we do is we have a bad day. When we have a bad day, then we want to have a, an autopsy or a postmortem to say what went <laughs> wrong. We look at what went wrong. However, what we don't do enough is when we have great days, when we have great games, when we kill it, we don't identify what went wrong right. And I say that's important so we can replicate those things. And so for me, I've identified over the course of my life, what key things need to happen on a daily basis for me to have quote unquote success. And typically if things are off in a day that aren't going right, I can look at my little checklist and say, oh, these certain things did not happen. Now, all of these are pretty much connected to positive psychology. I have five of them that I follow every single day as much as possible. I don't hit home, hit home runs every day, but Three of those five that I follow is number one, I have to connect. When I say connect, that means I have to connect with the human being and have a conversation. I'm not talking about texting. I'm not talking about Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. I can tell you my odds are my day is going to go better if I have some type of connection with someone. That could be a conversation with you. That could be a short call with my mother. That could be a check-in with a good friend. And those check-ins don't have to be just about me. I could just be hearing about them, their day, what they're experiencing. And I find that that human connection provides me with something that's meaningful and, and so important. And these connections sometimes, man, could be five minutes, 10, yeah. 15 minutes. They're not, I'm not talking about hours or anything like that. But number one, I have to connect. Number two, again, following along with you know, some tenets of positive psychology, is I want to make sure I learn something every single day. It's like throughout our lives, education has been such a strong component of who we are. And then we finish high school or we finish college and we graduate to the quote unquote real world. And then all of a sudden it just seems to stop. 
So every single day, I want to make sure I learn. And so for folks who are saying, how can I learn? Wow, what a multitude of ways. You can learn by finishing that podcast on the way to work. You can learn by listening to that audio book during your workout. You can learn by taking that online course. You can learn by reading a chapter of a book. Again, I'm, I'm talking about things that are totally um, accessible and digestible. I'm not talking about finishing a whole book. That could be a chapter. I'm talking about finishing a short 15, 20 minute podcast like yours or ours may be a little bit longer, 30 or 40 minutes, but most people can finish those. So I have to learn in some capacity every single day. And the third one that is going to be probably a no brainer for you is I have to sweat. Yeah. Uh, yep. If I don't sweat, my crazy comes out. Uh, my wife will tell you my crazy comes out. My, I just the, the little person who's running, who's running around <laughs> inside of my head will come out even more. So I find that when I sweat, my day is just off to a better start, re- re- you know, releasing those endorphins. I have my wife and I have four year old twins. And so one thing I have to do is I've learned most of the time I can get most of my key things that I need to get done throughout the day prior to them getting up. And that is a victory for me if I can do all that before they wake up, because once they wake up, you, you know, all bets are, are off. Um, so those are our three of the things that I like to do that really have a profound effect in my life. And I never regret connecting with someone. I never regret learning something. And I can, I have never regretted sweating in my life. I may not have enjoyed it while I was doing it, but when I'm done, I'm never mad I did it. Man, I love it. And you're consistent with it. I saw this morning the post with the kettlebells. Every morning you're up 5.30. I see the posts in the morning. Like you are consistent with these. And what you're doing is you're taking 1% steps daily. So you knew at the end of the day that you became better. And you're becoming better because I Getting to know you, I know it's 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 not about you. It's about what you can give to others and what you building yourself up so you can help build others up. And that's that's absolutely beautiful, man. And there's so many things I want to dive into this on this podcast with you. But I really want to dive into your podcast, which is a, just an up and coming awesome podcast. I've listened to episodes with our good friend John Gordon. The best thing: powerful experiences that may never show up on a resume. I love that. You know why? Because most podcasts are just kind of, we're going to have people on, we're going to talk and we're going to talk about, but this is like, this is a direct thing. Like there has to be something, the best thing in somebody's life that propelled them to be where they are today. So I got to flip the question on you, man. What is the best thing that you would say for your life? Wow. One of the best things that ever happened to me, you know, I, you know, I'm mad at you right now for <laughs> doing a great job as an interviewer on, Flipping the script on me. That's the thing. Well, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me that doesn't show up on my resume that I don't regularly talk about um, that a lot of people don't know is that that job we were talking about earlier at Nickelodeon, uh, that is a job that I got fired from. My contract was not renewed after being being on the show for two years. The, The show went in another direction. My contract wasn't renewed. I could have stayed on as a writer and associate producer, but you know, my dream was to be on camera and tell great stories. So I chose to move forward. And at the time, it was not the best thing. It led to some depression. I left New York City, moved to Los Angeles to figure some things out in Hollywood. Things did not happen here right away as fast as I thought they could. But what that did for me was this whole idea of I was putting all my self-value, I was putting my self-confidence 
and being chosen by someone else. And I think it's something fascinating you see in the television industry, sometimes with actors or even journalists and personalities, is that self-esteem. I'm not saying this is for all people, by the way, but for many of these folks, there's deep insecurities. And we get our self-value, our self-esteem, our confidence by being chosen by someone else. And losing that job and having to move to LA and figure other things out, that got me to the point where I realized I had to be willing to choose myself first before any brand or any network endorsed me. I had to be willing to endorse myself. To be clear, it took many, many years for me to get to that point, you know, and I'm still, you know, something that I have to, you know, challenge that challenges me on a regular basis. Um, and it makes me think about a time when I was giving a talk at a university once and a kid came up to me and he said, hey, man, I see you got that blue check mark uh, on social media, on Facebook and, and Twitter. How do I get that blue check mark and get, and get verified? And I remember could have gave him the easy answer like, oh, well, you're just you got to be a public persona and you're being <laughs> a journalist or someone who's in the mainstream, whatever, and you can get it. But I got curious and I said, well, tell me, why do you want that blue check mark? Why is that important to you? And he said, well, I, I want to show that it's me. And I was like, well, is there someone else the world should know about? Another you? <laughs> I was like, what's the real reason? And he said, I want to show that I'm important. Uh-uh. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. Because for me, being on camera for Nickelodeon or over the years, places like NBC or PBS or BET or E! News um, Live, that for me showed me that I was important. What I told that kid and I had to remind and I was talking to myself at the same time was I said no blue check mark can verify you you were verified the day that you were born love it you can't be verified by, by a blue check mark you know and that wasn't the answer he wanted to hear <laughs> of course but it was the answer that I needed to hear to be reinforcing me in that moment um so losing that job was tragic at the time uh but it was a gift and more ways than one. Antonio, we are so similar in so many ways. It's, it's kind of scary. I mean, you obviously look a lot better in dreadlocks than I ever would, but same thing, man. I got fired from the Brooklyn Nets after one year with them and thought it was a great year to help take them from 28th in shooting percentage to second and then get fired and have to move out to LA trying to find my feet and get going. I mean, we're both from the Midwest, small town, small school athletes. Whoops. Hey, we got a, we got a lot of similarities here. It's just, you, you juice me up even more just thinking of that. Yeah. Don't hey, speak. Just wait. We're going to be doing some live events together. I got a feeling there'll be some live events in the future. Man, I'd be honored. You're one of the best speakers that I've seen on stage. You're an unbelievable storyteller. And like every time I watch a clip of you, wherever it might be, you fire me up. You juice me up. So, Leading into that next question, just it's all just kind of flowing well today. It's amazing. What what wakes you up every morning now that just juices you up? What gets you out of bed at five thirty seven every morning to just take that next step, do those one percent steps? A couple of things. It's easy for me to say, you know, my kids, my wife, you know, yeah. my kids. Things change a little bit. Obviously, you get bags under your eyes and gray hair, <laughs> um, and you want to take care of them. So, of course, that's that's important for me to be that that provider, to be that leader of the household. Um, uh, consistency is important for me. Uh, and I think, you know, those, those habits you're talking about earlier, they work like compound interest. I wish somebody would have told me about compound interest uh, with money when I was in middle school or high school, because I would have been a lot smarter in those years of my life with my money and knowing what I could do with them. But really, to answer your question, 
a few years ago, my father was diagnosed with uh, dementia. And a couple years ago, we had to move him into a, a nursing home. And my father now is, uh, can't talk. He's in, can't, he can't talk. He's in bed. Uh, and he's um, just not the man that I, I knew my whole life. One of the strongest, proudest men that you will ever meet, as I mentioned earlier, a guy that loved to work, always on time, didn't miss a day of work, uh, would be ready to fight at a moment's notice to take care of his family. Uh, there was no fear in this man, and I love that about him. Uh, but something happened, man, when he got dementia, and again, we no longer have that um, relationship where we can communicate verbally or even eye to eye. And For me now, what shifts for me is now I'm the oldest kid kind of in my, my family. Um, so I'm like, I feel like I'm carrying on that Nev's banner, that Nev's legacy uh, that my dad did, uh, that elder. So in many ways, I feel like I'm representing him and the Nev's family as a whole. And I want to do a good job because, you know, my dad's grand, my dad's parents, my grandparents, they, they immigrated here in the 1920s from Cabo Verde, which is the, the Cape Verde Islands, which are off the northwest coast of Africa. And they came here in the 20s with absolutely nothing. They met one another, got married, and had a, had a big family. My father was a byproduct of, of them in that family. And again, that's where that walk-on mentality, blue-collar work ethic came from. And I've been blessed, man, with so many gifts. And all I want to do is make sure my kids know what it's like to feel pride in saying their last name every single night before they go to bed. We started this when they were, they were born at 32 weeks and they had to spend a lot of time in the neonatal intensive care unit in the hospital before they could come home. And I started saying to them, there, you are strong, you are healthy, you are loved, you are a conqueror, you're a child of God, you are a Nevs. And we say that every single night before they go to bed. And I really, I'm really, really instilling that you are a Nevs. So they feel pride in that and they want to represent that last name. And they want to take care of fellow Nevs and their families the same way I'm sure you want to represent that nurse last name. Um, and so for me, that, that, that's what keeps me going and what fires me up. And I can't say I get after it every single day that I want to, but believe me, I'm planning it and executing the way that would make my pops proud. And I, and I know he's proud. He always told me, that he was. And even when I go see him in the nursing home, even though he can't speak and minimal eye contact was moments we do lock eyes, if only for a second, you know, I can see him and I look at him and tell him the same thing. I tell my kids, you're strong, you're healthy, you're loved, you're a conqueror, you're a child of God, you're a Nevs. And I just repeatedly tell him everything is okay. The family's going to be taken care of. I got this. We're good. So that, that's my, my motivation and inspiration. Antonio, that is amazing on so many levels. Like, first off, I, I wish every parent would do the same that you guys are doing for your kids, speaking encouragement, speaking life into them, speaking that they are loved. If every parent could do that, man, this world would be an amazing place. And I can see where you get your passion and your work ethic from your father and just the admiration you have for him. That's Man, that is one of the best answers for getting juiced up in the morning that I have ever heard. And I can see why you have your juices flowing. That's so good, man. So now I'm going to throw you on the rapid fire hot seat. Now, this means whatever comes to your mind, it can be quick answers, however long you want them to be, shout them out. Ready for it? Let's do it. 
All right. Okay. Your favorite mindset quote that you live by. You might have a few, but do you have one that defines Antonio to a T? Absolutely. This is easy. And that is not making a decision is making a decision. Nice. I love that, man. I got to remind myself and others that we got to make decisions. And you think not making it's going to make it make something go away. Not the case. Beautiful. Okay. You kind of touched on this earlier, so you can either expand on it or pivot a different way. Your definition of legacy, what leaving a legacy means to you, not necessarily what most people think on the billboard or all those accomplishments that people will see in the stats score box, but what does leaving a legacy mean to you? Man, we can go so many different directions with that, but more and more with each day that comes, leaving a legacy for me today means knowing that I was of service, right? I think for the big portion of my life, it was all about me, 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 me. How can I help Antonio? How can I make help myself grow? How can I accomplish this? How can I earn this? But more and more, the legacy that we're really going to leave for each other, for others is knowing that we were of service to others. And that's where my mindset is nowadays. Am I being of service or am I being selfish? So that truly, truly guides me that that servant leadership. Dude, that, that's so good. You know, one thing that I do and I have my... NBA players do that, that I work with is every time you enter a room, you look at your hands and you say serve. So when those hands are pushing open the door, you say serve. So you get in that mentality every time you walk into that room that you're going to serve. That's not about you. So that's, that's a great man. I love that answer. I love that trigger of looking at the hands and serve. Wow. Little keywords, trigger words. And, and I got to steal some more stuff from you here. So what are the ways that you continue to learn? Are there books that you read? Are there podcasts other than the 1% podcast that you listen to routinely? Like, how do you learn daily? I learn daily. One, like, I'm an avid reader. Like, I just love to read. Um, I read a lot of nonfiction books, and I can even email you some of those if you want to share those and, and show notes. Um, I'm a voracious listener of podcasts. Uh, I'll name just a few of those for you. I love li- living to, listening to Akimbo by Seth Godin. Uh, a favorite podcast of mine on health is the Broken Brain podcast. An amazing behind the scenes podcast on musicians and music is Broken Record. Uh, that Malcolm Gladwell and Rick Rubin are behind that. Um, I love. Uh, oh man, I'm trying to think of one more podcast that I really, really enjoy. Those are great. Those are- uh, I like the Jocko podcast. You know, former Navy SEAL, and uh, yeah. So I have. I do these automatic downloads and I just digest this information as much as possible. Same thing here. The early morning workout, just eating up podcasts on 1.5 speed. It's a thing of beauty. Yeah, and I would suggest you probably do this. I think more people, it may be tough initially to transition from music to podcasts during the workout, but once you do, you won't regret it. No, definitely not. And I think a big key is too. also put it on 1.5 speed. People think it's too fast. But it actually, it makes you listen even harder. Like you don't, you can't just put it away. Like you have to focus on what they're talking about to, to really digest it. I agree. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. And you are an accomplished author yourself with a student athlete 101, 50 ways to excel in your first job and in life, 50 things every college student should know. These are all on Amazon. I encourage everyone to check these out as you have another book coming out. We'll kind of tease it a little bit in 2021, a big time book coming out. 
But what else is next for you? You got the podcast that's really growing. You're an unbelievable speaker. And I know once this world gets through the coronavirus, you'll be booking gigs left and right like you have been. And one of the best storytellers and one of the smoothest people on a podcast that I have ever heard, to be honest with you, man. But what else, what is next for you? A couple of things that are really exciting for me on a personal note, I'm just really excited, man, to take adventures with my family. I, I want these kids to grow up, man, knowing they did some crazy stuff with mom and dad. I didn't take a lot of vacations growing up. And I know this is personal more than business, but uh, I think it's important to share. I, I didn't grow up um, taking a lot of vacations and trips and journeys and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just really excited to set these kids up on some adventures and go explore, not just the United States, but other places cool. as well. Um, a second thing that's really important to me is to create more content. Like I'm excited about the best thing podcast. I love it. And the big move I'm going to make with that eventually is transitioning that to still being audio, but also doing a video component of that as well. I want that to be a show where people can tune in, whether it's on Facebook live or elsewhere where we decide to do it. Um, and you know, a vision that's been coming to me as of late, David, that I haven't shared out loud, but I'm going to go ahead and declare, oh, yeah. it, declare it in faith and see what happens with it one day, it. is more and more, I don't know what it looks like nowadays, but I, I, I'm seeing myself with some type of content property on an Amazon Prime or a Netflix in the future. It could be, a, who knows, it could be a, a, a docu, docu-type series that I'm in, it could be a... Um, one man type show kind of thing. I'm not sure, but I'm seeing, I'm thinking big and seeing something that can show up on one of those screens one day. I highly encourage that, man. I think you would be great at that. And just in the the network of yours that you know, I mean, having John Gordon in there with, I know he's talking about doing that. You definitely, definitely pursue that, man. I think you absolutely should. And love everything that you have coming out, all of your content. I follow your social media, watch, watch all your stories daily. And you were the one that got me, encouraged me to go on Instagram Live. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm following you. How can everybody follow what you do? Where are all the ways that we can just eat up everything, Antonio Neves? I appreciate you for asking that. Uh, folks, I'm, I'm easy to find. You can find me at theantonioneves.com, theantonioneves.com. All of my social media handles are theantonioneves. Uh, I'd love to have you on board. Some awesome free things on my website to sign up if you want to get access to them. Uh, you've been inspiring to me, uh, David, by doing those faith, those Instagram lives because I haven't been doing them. So now I'm getting inspired because I told you to do it. You're doing <laughs> it and don't get, get ready. You're about to be seeing me on there. We'll have to do something together. Yeah, let's do it, man. It seems like the trendy thing to do. People doing them together. You just, <laughs> yeah. you just let me know when. Okay. The last question for you before you're off this 1% podcast, it's off the hot seat. What does being a one percenter mean to you? Being a one percenter means accepting something that most people don't want to hear. And that is this. No one cares. (laughs) I love this. No one cares more than you. Guess what? Your parents care. Guess what? Your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your wife or your husband cares. Guess what? Your professors care. Guess what? Your coaches care. Guess what? Your manager cares. Yes, and no one can care more than you. We've reached a point where we expect other people to care more about us and our lives, our goal, our mission than we do. And my invitation, not only to myself, to remind myself every single day when I'm lazy, if I find myself complaining, but my invitation to everyone listening is to remember that no one can care 
more than you do. And I invite all of us, not just to commit to, say, to doing what we say we want to do, but we, what we have to do every single day is recommit. Committing is easy. So recommitting is something else. So if right now you need to recommit, I'm sure many people listening do, I invite you to do that. Recommit to what's most important. And guess what? Tomorrow morning, do the same thing. The next, the next day, do the same thing because no one can care more than you. And if someone does care more than you, something's wrong. Everybody out there listening, you have to listen to that first thing when you wake up every morning. Put that little sound clip that two-minute sound clip on, and you will be juiced up for the day. That is an unbelievable answer, probably the best one-percenter answer that I've had. And so, Nevs, you are a true, true, just inspiration light to so many people. You're leaving a legacy. You're changing lives. You motivate one person. You inspire one person. They do another and another and another. And I know I've taken so much from you over this short time of knowing you that and it's it's exciting to see everything that you're doing and all everywhere that you're going and really appreciate you coming on this podcast and gracing us with with your wisdom and your knowledge my man thank you so much for having me i, I love this podcast i'm excited for you to continue doing it and the awesome conversations you're having and the great questions you're asking that's going to help everyone on every listener just achieve continue to believe and make good things happen Man, thank you. Okay, until we get together after the before the virus is over, we'll do a live, and maybe even on the live we could we could get slimed. We could make our own Nickelodeon slime and slime ourselves. I told you that's one thing I've always wanted to do on my bucket list, and since you've done it, I want to do it together. And just so you know, basically it's uh it's oatmeal, diet oatmeal. <laughs> we can eat it too. Perfect, <laughs> dude. You're the man. Appreciate you. You got it. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of the 1% Podcast. Thank you so much for giving your time to me and listening to the 1% Podcast. Without you, none of this would be possible. The feedback, the reviews, the ratings you give this podcast help to grow the audience and the reach for us to be able to bring on new guests each week and provide that 1% daily steps we can all implement from top NBA players, high performers, and just from amazing people doing amazing things to better this world. And it's all because of you. If you could, I will shout you out, personally thank you, leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. Five stars if you love it, one star of course if you hate it, and leave a comment of what you liked about it or questions, suggestions that you might have. Post on social media and tag me at David Nurse NBA, and I will repost the reviews the podcast gets. I'll shout you out personally for sure. Thank you so much for being the best community, the best family, the best 1% squad. So blessed for all of you out there. Now go out there today and speak a word of encouragement into someone. You can and you will make a difference.